Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hall of Games, episode number 36. I am your host, the video game bard, Josh Gallegos, joined by my co-host, Jared Benson, the casual mercenary. We'll see what that next uh, advancement in titles is for him. Uh, Of course, this is the Hall of Games, the ever-growing catalog of legendary game titles that have proven to be timeless classics. Each title is chosen from the Bard's backlog, that is my backlog, and broken down through comprehensive evaluation. We are the keepers of the Hall of Games, the skeptic critics of each candidate title, and the executioners of those not deemed worthy. Today's candidate is Neon White. Will it be entered into the hall? We shall see. We shall see through our conversation. Thank you guys for checking out the episode. Of course, you can write into us at our email. That's askvgb at gmail.com to comment, ask a question, or genuinely berate and belittle us. You can support the podcast by following <laughs> us on any podcast service and by dropping a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Turn on those notifications to get the latest episode as soon as it drops. They are sporadic. There's not really a particular schedule this next semester. Jared and I are already ready and prepared to combat the lack of episodes. That has been a pretty common thing for us these last two years, <laughs> in the fall specifically. Yeah. Um, so we are planning in lieu of that. Uh, but last time, we talked about Super Mario Sunshine. Check out that episode. We also had our reaping of the year. Today, of course, Neon White. But before we get into that, in honor of that Sunshine episode, Jared, what is the best voc- vacation locale that you've ever had? So I'm thinking place, not so much in memories, because you can have a great vacation in a pretty boring place. But I'm thinking locale specifically. Um, upstate New York. Um, my family's vacationed there for years, and it's always been good, which is why I keep coming back to it, uh, or why we keep going back to it every year in the summer-ish, sometimes in the fall. We'll go up to upstate New York in the Adirondacks, um, legendary area known uh, for its you know forests and you know the the gentle rolling Appalachian Mountains and lakes, a land of a lot of lakes, um, and I love it. There's a specific spot in between the town, the little town of Inlet, and the little town of uh, Old Forge. Um, not to be confused with Pigeon Forge in Tennessee, but the old town of Old Forge and great people, um, always welcoming. They love the tourists. They are tiny little to- towns, and they're awesome. That we it's we do a sim- similar trip every year, um, and not even like even if I went without family and took some friends, it's always a great time. I love it. I love the situation. I love the fog on the lake in the evenings and the cool mornings of the loons. Have you ever heard of loon, Josh? Um, I don't think so. It's a specific type of lake bird. It's bigger than a duck. It has oh, this oh, slick, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has a slick back little hair thing going on, and they're just beautiful. They have calls of loons, and uh, it's a fantastic backdrop, a beautiful place. I love So upstate New York on the lake life, that's me. I prefer the lake over the beach, and uh, that's, that's my answer, Josh. How about you? You got a specific place in mind? It's funny that you have like a spot that your family goes to all the time because that would be my choice as well. Um, Breckenridge is the name of the little town in the Rocky Mountains that we love to go to. It's pretty close to downtown. Um, well, in that, in close, I mean, it's within driving distance about a half day. It's about three or four hours away. So, um, 
it's not close, <laughs> but uh, it's definitely like totally within striking distance. You know, you can go places that are much further away. Uh, so it's nice. It's a quaint little town. Has a really amazing uh, several ski resorts and lots of awesome slopes and uh, hiking. It's huge for hiking, and I just had a ton of memories tied into that place. Um, my dad had a timeshare at Grand Timber Lodge there, so we'd go all the time. And it's beautiful. The you got that m- crisp mountain air. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever when you go in the summers, uh, there's a lot of hiking. When you go in the winters, there's a lot of like uh, festivities. Actually, they have a lot of festivities in the winters. Uh, different they've done parades. They've done ice sculptures and stuff like that. So it's always a ton of fun to go there. And just another family tradition of ours. In fact, they still do it. And since I've been so busy over here in Florida, I don't get to go anymore. And so I'm just over here watching them have their fun on my sad little iPhone screen as they send all these photos. (laughs) Um, But that's great. I'm so glad that your family does something like that, too. Karina's family does, um, what is it, Yosemite in California. They'll go go. every year and just set up. And and it's just awesome. Like, that's that's their tradition. So love that. Love that. I'd love to go to upstate New York. That's like, that's magical. That's a magical place. Like that's like the art version of, I don't know. You think of like the forests of Germany and all the fairy tales mm-hmm, that came from mm-hmm. that in Europe. That's, that's like what that area is like for us here in the United States. Um, awesome. I do not spend enough time in New England vacationing. I need to do some more of that because there's a lot of awesome stuff to see there. Well, when just, Lucy and I get up there. You get you and Karina come on up, bring the little one, and we'll we will show you all the best parts. Yeah, I guess we'll have to. We'll have to at that point. There's an obligation once we got good friends up there. That's right. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, uh, outside of that though, I'd say another awesome place that I went uh, was Japan. That was probably mm. the most iconic vacation I've ever had. But we've mm-hmm. been to other places too. Mexico's a really good spot. Um, that I've personally been to several parts of and had a grand old time. But nonetheless, any time that you go out of country, of course, you're going to experience a lot. There's going to be a lot of new uh, foods and cultural things that you can get acclimated to, but there's nothing like having that tried and true place to go to every year that you have that comfort in that you and your family all know and can get the most out of every time you go. So uh, really, really good picks there. All right, let's jump into our first segments and that is the games we play in which honestly since we last recorded has not changed much, at least for me. I have played Resident Evil 4 a lot. Um, not as much as I had hoped. I had hoped to finish it, but because we're cramming Jared and I uh, a few uh, games into this next week, I've been playing primarily titles for uh, our episodes that we're going to be making. So, uh, 4's been great. Pretty much the same as what I said before. Getting close to the very end. I'm in the last chapter right now, so just a couple of more chapter portions to go through, and I'll be done. And I'm very excited because I have not beaten a Resident Evil game before. So, looking forward to that. Anything you've been playing outside of the games we're going to be covering this week? Jared and I are very ambitious right now. We're hoping to cover four games. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. We'll see, uh, yeah. But outside of those, what are, you, what are you playing, Jared? No, since the last time we talked, I have finished 
Portal 2. I have my own thoughts when we do the Portal episode. I'll leave those for that, but that's really been the only other game that I've been playing. Okay, so about the same. Um, had to put in a good chunk of time into Neon White this weekend, so most oh, yeah. of that, this segment that I would have been you know, discussing a bunch of other stuff will be dedicated to the title of this week, so... Um, all right, let's jump into then our second segment, and that is the default segment. this week just a quick conversation here we're gonna keep these episodes nice and concise so jared what in your opinion is the greatest console of all time and i'm gonna put just a little caveat on here and say to you the greatest console of all time to you okay so that way people don't immediately show up at your home with a shotgun with some questions <laughs> as to why you chose, what you, you know, radical this, gamers. This is Jared's. This is Jared's life. Okay, let him answer as he deems fit. Yes. But what would you say, in your opinion, in your in your experience? Yeah, roaming bands of angry gamers. Um, um, <laughs> the uh, my favorite console is actually the uh, the Nintendo GameCube, partially because of its uniqueness uh, and and its sturdiness. So when I had a PlayStation, it would break all the time and like it just the disc scratched all the time probably because it was like still relatively new technology right like it's only a generation or so removed from the first consoles obviously not atari but like you know there's atari and then a couple others and then so for me the gamecube really was the smoothest it had those nice little compact discs uh the smaller ones that because they were so small they were i don't know harder to scuff up or chip or break or whatever else um, and they were the console itself was sturdy, but still able to pack nicely. It didn't have this oblong rounded edges or anything. Obviously it was a cube. Um, so, and I don't know, it just worked the best. And I like their controller the best. I know it's, it's a controversial opinion. The, I would change a couple things. Obviously I do actually, but I really like the GameCube controller because the A button is bigger than the other buttons and its placement is just nicer. Like my least favorite controller is the N64 controller. I hate those controllers. They're like so hard to use. But the GameCube controllers, the nice fat rounded R and L buttons, those are really nice. The Z button's a little annoying, but for the most part it works. And then the big A button, that's the controller I'm used to playing Super Smash Brothers on, just that format, because I grew up on Melee. So GameCube was my greatest console of all time. Of course it's got flaws, and it cannot possibly compete with today's high-end consoles, you know, the Xbox, uh, whatever this, their ver- version is. Uh, I'm boycotting Microsoft, by the way. Never again. I'm a PlayStation oh. diehard because Microsoft wants to, like, buy everything. Like, n- no, do your own thing. Stop it. So I will always I like be a it. Sony diehard because, you know, screw Microsoft. But it is what it is. Um, <laughs> PlayStation has converted me. I probably I was an Xbox kid, hardcore in high school, and now I won't go back. It's PlayStation for me all the way. That is very interesting. Now, I, I have 
I have crappy opinions, Josh. I was actually just no. goofing off with a friend today because I was telling him about our dynamic. And uh, speaking of which, by the way, folks, uh, I have a lot of respect for Spotify. If you go onto Spotify, as my good friend and I found out today, and you try to rank or rate the Bard's Backlog, the Hall of Games, the the two of us here, if you try to rate us on Spotify without listening to an episode, it won't let you. So you can't just give us five stars. You actually got to check us out, and then you have to give us five stars. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So tremendous respect to, to actually. Sp- Yes. To us. <laughs> <laughs> We're not paying for your love. You actually have to like listen to our podcast. Um, yeah, it seems like a good way to handle it, actually. Yep. So uh, so we were goofing off about that today, but uh, so he's going to he's gonna be a listener now, hopefully, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. I told him I have trashy opinions, but but I'm the casual. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't have any like super big background in um, uh, gaming like Josh does. Josh's background is much larger than mine. He's better at the history of stuff, so I don't know. Maybe he's going to say something crazy like Sega, like the Sega Genesis Ooh. or something, brother. <laughs> Tell me, no. <laughs> tell me what your what do you think? What is the greatest console of all time to you, Josh? I would have to say the Nintendo DS personally. Oh my um, goodness! With its lights as well, and then you could throw the 3DS in there if you're really trying to stretch that category. But Nintendo and its handheld consoles have always had a soft spot in my heart, and the DS was everything you could hope for before we've now advanced to this new age of the switch which is awesome in its own right of course i love having the option to play on the go or at home so like that's the perfect marriage of of what nintendo used to have which was two different console um streams right and then they would make games for each and you got a ton of very original games and experiences on their handheld consoles now because it's all one thing you still get your indie games and stuff, but for the most part, Nintendo's just going to make big AAA games. They don't make handheld games so much anymore, which I definitely miss, but uh, I'd say that. I think there's a ton of amazing games on there. In fact, I could probably make an argument that there are more top-tier, five-star video game titles on the DS than almost any other platform. Oh, man. Now that hard would be an to interesting do conversation. Nowadays. Yeah, it's harder to do nowadays with with so much backwards compatibility and like PlayStation just updated the PlayStation Plus to now include PlayStation Classics. Yeah. And this, you know, the Switch is getting all kinds of old DS games, so like a lot of this is now getting rectified in that you can just go back to the stuff now, so why not just get a modern console? Yeah. But if you sectioned everything off and really just, you know, put the bars of the prison around every single one of these consoles, what would be in the cell of the Nintendo DS would be uh, so much value and, and so many amazing experiences. And I, I think of, of course, all of Nintendo's titles, but even on top of that, games like um, uh, The World Ends With You and, um, you know, a, a WarioWare DIY was one that, that's that's Nintendo affiliated, obviously, but that was one that I was like, oh my gosh, you just couldn't have this on anything else and it be as good as it is. Very addicting loop to making your own little micro games, and uh, obviously you've got the Mario games, you've got the Zelda games, you've got all of the crazy Sonic games. There's a lot of really good Sonic games on the Nintendo DS. Uh, So many amazing RPGs, ports of RPGs, Final Fantasy games, and just so much at your disposal if you have access to one of those titles. I mean, the Professor Layton games, the Phoenix Wright games, I could go on and on. talking about 
how much there is in the library of the Nintendo DS. Now, even as I talk about the DS, I could then turn around and say that with a lot of other consoles. I know the PlayStation 2 is one of those iconic, one of the best-selling ones. The Wii has edged it out, and I think the Switch is actually right in between them now, if I'm not mistaken. Although the Switch may have passed the Wii now. I might be wrong about that. So don't quote me on that, but I know that it's like it's been moving up the ranks and it, it passed the PS2. So those are like the highest selling ones that everybody knows and loves and talks about. But uh, and then you got your crazy kooky old ones, and they're all fun in their own right, you know, all the way back to the Turbo Graphics, <laughs> and uh, and then of course with the NES and the SNES and the N64 and the PlayStation One, and such an interesting, fun time. Very old, very primitive these days, right? Going back and trying to play those games, and we just played Sunshine, which is. Right after 64 going into the GameCube, which is, I think, an awesome console. Like, a great pick, Jared. Uh, the GameCube is a fantastic pick. Uh, lots of very, very original takes that Nintendo had on their um, franchises uh, yeah. during the GameCube era. And they they did a lot of awesome stuff that now would probably be something they shy away from because it's too risky. But you got that with the GameCube, and they were definitely sporting off their own uh, advancements in tech and whatnot in games like Sunshine and Metroid Prime, and uh, even obviously and Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing for the first time was released on GameCube. Yep, I played the original brother. I'm an OG Animal Crossing person. That's amazing. (laughs) I did. I did not. So you've got that on me. Um, So we got Pikmin on there, Luigi's Mansion. So many awesome. Awesome. To your credit, too, the Nintendo DS. Did you ever have like late night sleepover chat sessions on the DS? That's one of my oh, core yeah, memories. Dude. Yeah. Yes, the Picto chat was yeah, so dude. iconic to my yes. friends. Like, we'd all hop on. Like all of us would be in one little Picto chat room, and then one of the friends that we didn't want, who was annoying, would hop in, and so we'd all move to the next room, and he'd wonder what <laughs> we were doing. And, That's terrible. Um, I know. That's <laughs> it's awful. Just like. The product of growing up in a very isolated, like, church Right, family. right, right, right. <laughs> like, I didn't really have too many friends outside of that, so uh, I didn't really get to choose. <laughs> like, these days, well, at least in the, the ministry I'm in right now, it's so big, you can kind of section yourself off into little cliques. Uh, whereas back then, it was so small, you had, like, the four other people <laughs> to be friends yeah. with. And that these are just your quote-unquote friends, but... Uh, yeah, so many awesome iconic memories from that Picto Chat, um, playing Mario Kart together, just so much fun. Yeah, mm. the DS you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Had had connection on the internet, you could actually play games online, which nowadays, right, you yawn at that. But for us, it was like so awesome, A huge so deal, cool. huge deal. Absolutely, like you couldn't do that on the Game Boy Advance, and with the DS, that next iteration, you could. Um, so that'd be my choice, but. Nonetheless, uh, hard to make any hard and fast argument for anyone. People have. They've, they've ranked the consoles, right? They, and you can go and listen and read those arguments. But for us here, we're going to say, Jared's going to say the GameCube. I'm going to say the DS. Let's talk about our pick of the week, Neon White.
Now, Neon White is a indie game. I think it's just on the Switch and the PC. I correct. might be wrong. No, that's okay, correct. Is, okay, okay, good, good, good. Um, so, not on any of their consoles yet. I'm assuming they'll eventually put it on, like, the PlayStation Store and stuff. But here, now, on the Switch, it is associated with that console in my mind. Whenever they do that, that's just what happens. And is forging its own path, is making a name for itself right now, is becoming a hotter and hotter title in the uh, gaming culture at large right now. So let's talk about it. We've played it. We've finished it. We've seen the end of it. Uh, Neon White, this crazy frenetic platformer uh, in a heaven-hell-scape of angels and demons and uh, neons. <laughs> so let's talk about it, Jared. Uh, what did you think of Neon White? Well, first off, where did you hear about Neon White and what made you decide to pick it up? I made this comment on our last podcast, so maybe the one before, uh, how Neon White kept trending on my Twitter timeline. Again, I'm I'm game, like the circles of gamers, I'm adjacent. I follow some gamers, some of my friends, people I'm familiar with, um, and they kept talking about Neon White. And, you know, um, I was like, okay, what is this? And then I saw it pop up on the Nintendo featured page under indie games. And it was that title that, that, uh, you know, front runner title just to carry like, this is indie. Right. And, uh, so I was like, okay, fine. I'll get it. The universe is telling me something. Cause you know, that like resentment you get when someone recommends something to you and your chances of picking up that title are only dependent on how much you trust them to talk about a certain genre. Like if my friend were to recommend a live action show to me, I'd be like, absolutely not. Cause he has terrible taste, <laughs> but, That's but like when Josh tells me of our relationship, Jerry. yeah, yeah. <laughs> stop it, stop it. When Josh or, or a friend of mine recommends a show or an anime or a game or something, I'm like, okay, I trust them. Let me, let me give this a shot. So I actually ordered uh, Returnal and I ordered Deathloop. Those are on the way. Um, so I'll be playing those eventually in the, in the future here. Um, as well as, uh, you know, some others, hopefully we'll cover those eventually. But, uh, no, my, oh, that's how I found neon white was word of mouth, literally the internet's word of mouth, uh, which is the best thing the internet is for. And I, I mean, it, it hit me just right. It was the right thing that I needed that evening. I picked it up and I was hooked immediately. Um, so that's how I found it. Josh did it. Was it, was it me dragging you by, <laughs> was it me pulling your teeth to get you to play this? So, yeah, I would say it could be very much the same situation where you have introduced this to me, word of mouth coming the other way. Um, and normally, I think it's me that's suggesting stuff to Correct. you, but here we have Correct. you coming up with this and uh, me deciding to pick it up based on your word on it. And it turns out to be a very strong word because this game is uh, in its own way. Yeah, kind of like you said, hitting a spot that I did not realize I needed to have itched, right? Right between the shoulder blades, right down on the left-hand side, Neon White just hit right there. Perfect. <laughs> that and spot. That's hilarious. Yeah, and and it's been awesome, and it's it's so great, like a refreshing thing to have, not coming from oh every single influencer has said it, or oh right. uh, the reviews right. on this, I'm seeing a banner put out by their team that says you know five out of five stars by every single one of these companies. Yep. No, instead it was just my casual friend who said, hey, check this game out, and I I I got it, and I jumped into it, and I was blown away in a lot of different aspects of it, and had a really great time all the way through to the end. It's very exhilarating, the last couple of missions, uh, so 
Loved it. Loved it very much. So I'm a platformer guy, so this was right up my alley, and I didn't even know. It was, like, right under my nose this whole time, I guess. And uh, Jared was kind enough to pluck it from underneath there and show it to me, now, and I got to enjoy it. Last podcast, you had said, or no, I had used, you had said you were going to put Neon White down until I told you that it gets bananas. Mm-hmm. Did 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 I not tell you, or do you disagree? No, you you told me, and you were absolutely correct. If you had not said that, and we hadn't decided to cover this, I would not have seen the best of what this game offers. The first several chapters are missions, is what they call them, right? You get one yep. mission on yep. whatever day of judgment you're on, and then you can jump into each mission contains, you know, 15 different levels or whatever. Uh, 10 probably is a, a safer margin. But you go in, and the first couple of those, like, mission bulks of, of levels are fun. They're, they're fast-paced in their own way, but they're not nearly as complex and crazy and exhilarating and... Uh, uh, dizzying heights reaching as those last couple of missions. So I I am so glad that you said something because this was a case of, oh, you know, push just a little bit further and you're going to find what's really, truly special about this. And, you know, for me, I'm definitely one of those people that if you don't really hook me in the first several hours, mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. drop you mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a, you know, like a pile of potatoes and move on. Yeah, and Neon White, I thought I had seen kind of what it was doing, and it was satisfied with that. But no, no, uh, I did not experience the Dominion. I did not experience the Book of Life and how amazing those two small weapons just and how how vastly they change how these levels even play out and uh, where the developers go with them. So I am so glad that I stuck through with it, and I'm glad that you said something as well. And I'm excited to cover it here in the podcast. So overall impression josh what was your first impression and your final impression and did they change at all while you played the game absolutely they changed yeah my first impression was okay uh indie game you know it's got some really cheesy dialogue i was impressed personally that they had well not impressed but i was glad to see that they had voice acting you know that's something that could be an easy cut yeah in this sort of game it's not great voice acting so yeah It'll take it or leave it, but it, I think it you know it shows that they were trying to put some production behind this thing. Yes. I think the art yes. does as well. And obviously you have the iconic angel masks that they're wearing with the horns on them. Those got old, I think, in my opinion. But I, it was like a, a fluctuation for me where I really didn't like them at first, and then they grew on me over the course of the game. And by the end, I did very much enjoy the brief snippets where it showed their faces. Yes. So... And, and like I said, by the end, it kind of feels old because I did want to see their face more and more, but served its purpose. It obviously makes this game iconic. Like, if I see that now going forward, I'm going to think neon white. But, yeah, jumping into it, seeing those, uh, the the goofy voice acting and um, the basic layout, you know, you, you don't really have anything other than menus and levels. So you, you go through your menus and then you hear a little bit of the story and then you jump into the actual crazy platforming. And the crazy platforming is a ton of fun. So I loved getting to those portions of it. But I would say at the beginning, especially, I was skipping a lot through some of the basic story stuff and... Um, explanation of things and i i wish i hadn't you know it did save me some time and about 
halfway through, there's a couple of twists that then all of a sudden I was a lot more interested in what was going on and why I was doing what I was doing. And uh, after that, I, you know, I, I paused podcasts and I paid attention and actually read through each of the dialogue prompts. Mm-hmm. And then from there, my impression changed into one of, okay, this actually is going somewhere. I'm hoping yep. to see the end of this. There's something uh, surprising that's going to happen. And sure enough, that did happen a couple times. And uh, got that fill there, but then on top of that, the levels themselves just became more and more exciting and crazy. So I, I by the end of it was was itching to play the next level, and it had hooked me for sure. So uh, definitely a change in impression at first, just looking at it as oh, it's another indie game, and by the end, seeing the the actual level of value and care and attention that they had been putting into this from the start, but. I felt like personally it took a little bit of digging to actually start to see that value. Yeah. You know, you have a good gut reaction. Like, unfortunately, the right way to watch uh, niche or small studio anime or play small studio indie games is to say, if you do not grab me, I won't waste any more time. Because a lot of the times, um, you know, what you can expect from your AAA studios is a level of quality that's almost guaranteed. But from an indie game, if it doesn't grab you, it doesn't grab you. And you're, you are not likely missing out on anything by putting it down if it doesn't grab you. And this game, while it grabbed me, you know, didn't quite grab you, but it, it is a hidden gem um, developed by uh, lead uh, designer uh, Ben Esposito. Um, and he is the guy behind uh, Donut County, which is, have you ever played? Oh, Hol- yeah. Have you ever played uh, Donut County? I love Donut County, man. Yeah, he, it's he, a fun he, little game. He invented that. And also the free-to-play game Whole I.O., I'm sure it's like Snake I.O. Have you ever seen Snake I.O. where you like yeah. eat little mm-hmm. pellets? Whole I.O. was ripped off from Ben Esposito's idea. He created that in the Unity engine and then, you know, whatever else. Um, so he, anyway, he he's, uh, you know, I learned that from his profile on Twitter and everything like that. But he invented Knowing that Knowing that concept. he is the guy in designing Neon White totally makes sense to me because his games have all been about the the pleasure of actually accomplishing the action yes. that you're doing and yes. really honing that specifically and knowing that just totally makes sense as to why neon white feels and is as enjoyable as it is he just has his he has the right mindset of what creates genuine enjoyment in gaming um and i firmly believe that even after taking a look at his other works and the people he's aligned with he works with glitch city which is a small indie developer studio in la um he reached out to machine girl a tiny little band whose music he liked and said i want you to do the music for my game he knows how to pull people together and Mm. that he was the lead developer on this project and it just it's a I'm not going to say flawless because I think like the weaknesses that you pointed out are the same weaknesses like I agree with. But this overall package of a game is fantastic and absolutely worth every penny. Um, my impression of it was one of just I'm not expecting much and you get, keep blowing me away at every turn. I remember popping into the game for the first time this concept of heaven. OK, very easy to um, not mess up per se, but like put a whole bunch of hosh posh a mesh in there because of there's, you know, there's so many different people who decide what heaven is. I've seen heaven in so many movies and anime right. and all the different stuff. You know what I mean? So not expecting too Why much. Why do you think the, plot. the concept of heaven just like is so universally appealing to everybody? Why are you asking me why? Or are you just saying? Yeah. 
I, you know, partially because we have an ego and we like to think that the little good that we do here on earth is going to be rewarded and it's not for nothing. And so even if I didn't have the faith that I have, heaven would be an appealing concept because I think I'm a good person because my ego. So yeah, I, even yeah. outside of religion, you know, if let's say if you were to take humanity back to square one, take all religion from them, they would reintroduce the idea of heaven tomorrow. You know what I mean? It would just be the, <laughs> just because we're ego driven creatures. So that I, I firmly so believe that's where it comes from. But um, no, aside from my faith, like we see the people who are doing all the bad stuff and we're like, screw you. Like, exactly. I'm doing my hardest and I'm trying yes. to help people. <laughs> yes. So from so funny. my impression of this game was like the bar was set very low. I just was playing it because I'd heard about it. And then I was taken aback immediately by the gameplay loop. That is the most satisfying gameplay loop I have arguably ever played outside of perhaps Hades, which is a bit richer and more complex um, and definitely much better than Moonlighter or in some other games that we've played. But um just these quick snippets, levels that take you most of the time less than three minutes. Uh, most levels don't take that long at all. So you can get, you know, 10, 20 levels done in a night of gaming if you want to perfect them. And uh, you can do one to two, you know, in 20 minutes before you have dinner and stuff. It's a very easy, easily accessible game. Another thing that blew me away was the uh, ease of access. Like I just said, the user accessibility, the, the actual like navigating around the hubs and the world mm-hmm. itself. It's And two, Josh, you made this comment, and then I just sent you another Reddit thread the other day. The whole world, the whole gaming community right now is experiencing open world, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Open world fatigue. fatigue. Yes, yeah. fatigue. And Elden Ring probably being a primary cause of that, not because Elden Ring is doing anything <laughs> wrong, but because that was the game that most recently took everyone by storm. And so to have a game that has a linear feel with, you know, it has restrictions, it has boundaries, um, and yet, and yet, has is designed in such a way that the edge of the map is hard to tell. You know where it starts, where it ends, and stuff. Um, I was blown away by the world, by the by the, you know, by the gameplay, by the loop, by the speed, and and by the the accuracy too. You know, you expect in a game yeah, of this yeah. size to have glitches and problems and bugs. Not a single one. Anything Silky that was smooth. within my radius of my visual sight that I could physically get to was something I could get to outside of a couple places in the hanging gardens, but that's whatever. Um, the, the, um, if, if you could see a building and touch it, you could jump on it. You could maneuver around it. It really did feel like everything, the world was your oyster. The world was your playground. Um, that blew me away. And then of course, you know, the cringy dialogue did not blow me away. <laughs> it's too, like, cliche and campy and stuff. I don't, yeah, I don't care for it. Yeah, very campy is a great yes. word for it. It feels like a, a B-tier horror movie in its cliche writing. But the plot also blew me away. This this concept that heaven has been hijacked because people yeah. people think they know better than God. And that's so interesting to me, right? Like that whole, that was the whole plot of the game is that people hijacked heaven, pushed God to the side and said, we're running things. And then of course, as humans do, mucked about and messed it up. And that (laughs) even got me. And then there's convenient amnesia, the protagonist. There was a lot of things that blew me Mm -hmm. away with this game because I had set the bar really low intentionally. Now, that being said, Josh, I don't have a ton of experience. This is what I've wanted to ask you. Um, I don't have a ton of experience with 
platformers in general. Now, as a platform game, like, is this S tier to you? Is this D tier? Have you played better? Has there been, tell me about your experience as a more of a gamer than I have as the casual here. Oh, this is A tier. Like, this is an A tier platformer. And the, the point of any platformer, like, what you want to get from a platformer is precise movement. That's, we talked about that with Super Mario Sunshine and Mario. Any, any, like, I can think of Celeste. I can think of Super Meat Boy. I can think of Donkey Kong Country. I can think of all these different games that, when it comes down to it, you, you need to have a specific feel for your platformer. That's something that, um, let me think of an example here. Some games just don't do super well. The ukulele games, and I hate to throw these guys under the bus. I like ukulele in the impossible, impossible level. Uh, what's it called? I can't remember the impossible cave or something like that. That game is great, but I think one thing that ukulele has always missed in both that one and its predecessor was just a. a a lack of identity in how your actual precise movement played and just a general imprecision. I'm just using the word precise over and over because it just makes sense to me. But uh, because of that, ukulele just didn't resonate with people. And I think a lot of people didn't even realize that perhaps that was what it was. But Neon White's got that in spades, which is the the foundation of any quality A-tier platformer. Is it S-tier? I think in those last couple chapters... Heck to the yeah, dude. I think it goes to some other level mm, after mm. you kind of take the reins off of this developer. And I think once they get the confidence themselves under their own feet, of uh, uh, what they're doing here is, is smart and they're having a great old time with it. And I wish that it had done a little bit more of that. There's several things later in the game that really hooked me that I wish they had sprinkled in earlier just Ooh. because I think that would have kept me around. Um We've said, an indie game's got to catch you at the start. And for me, I was ready to put this thing down because I hadn't seen a turn in the story yet that was actually right around the corner from where I was. And I hadn't gotten past some of the basic uh, weapons you've got at the start of the game. You know, you got like a, a long rifle and a pistol, yep. a shotgun, and they all do different things when you use their action button. Um, what do they call it? Like their discard? Discard button, Discard yeah. it. Yeah, um... And I could see what they were doing with that. I was like, okay, yeah. And there was a lot of fun little levels that, you know, when you're chaining things together, just feel very satisfying and you go through it. And, you know, when you first play through the level, you're figuring it out and you spend 30 seconds getting to the very end and killing all the demons. And then when you go back to it, because you're forced to, to increase your rank, now you're just like, all of a sudden you're in and out in 12 seconds. And you're like, wow, I cut like 15 seconds out of what I was doing before. And that's just what this game is capable of doing. And I saw that I was enjoying that aspect of it, but because there were so many other things I wanted to play and, and had on my docket to play, of course, I was I was thinking I had seen what this game was doing. And after I'd seen the first boss fight, I was like, okay, that's probably about as crazy as it gets. And I was so wrong, so wrong. <laughs> um, seriously, though, like those those. Like the Heaven's Edge, I think, is really where it kicks it up a notch. But even the mission before that, and I don't know the name of the area, but uh, when they really start to utilize all the different ba uh, basic main weapons that you have up to that point, all the different cards, uh, and they're, they're, they're interchanging them a lot. They're starting to cause you to, instead of just utilizing the R1, uh, the discard in every single situation, yep. maybe you actually have to switch out one card and use yep. that one first. Yep. Uh, or maybe you should shoot the thing 
just use your ammo before you actually just discharge yes. the weapon because you're going to yes. need it in this next point. So, like, they start to do more and more of that, and I'm like, ooh, okay, this is fun. Like, now it's really pushing me, and I wish they had done a little bit of that before. I also wish there's one level, I think it's in Heaven's Edge or right after that, where you're not fighting any demons because there are no demons around. You're going into, like, the this place where God's hand is or whatever. I don't remember exactly what point of the story it is. But you're just kind of, like, flying through, and you're hitting, you know, you've got your like, explosive barrels and stuff, so, like, you still have things to, to latch onto and, and jump around using. But it, there weren't any demons. It was quieter. Uh, you weren't, like, trying to beat any clock or anything. You were just kind of, like, flying through. And when that level was going on, I was like, man, this is awesome. It's like a nice little break in the action. Uh, I get to kind of enjoy the sights a little more. And yep. I wish that they had done a couple more of those earlier on because that would have, I think, given me a bit of a break and enticed me continue on, to continue on where the story wasn't really pushing me um, and the mechanics were they were good, but they just hadn't gotten to the level of complexity that they would later. So uh, I think the the way that this game progresses is amazing. And uh, when I think of the actual mechanics behind the platforming here, this is this is why this game is so popular. And if you are a platformer head like me, freaking get this game like you're not going to have a better platforming experience this year or anything from last year or the year before as far as i'm concerned like this game is really really precise and perfect and and it's so satisfying because of that when you can pull things off and after you've been practicing a level you know those last few levels yeah i, I personally i had to run through a bunch of times and uh just like be very specific and precise with how i was using things and um how I was flying around and how I even like how I angled myself as I hit different things. And that, that level of, uh, of, (laughs) I can't think of another word, precision, that level of precision and using it and actually pulling that sort of stuff off. Just there's, there's no match for it in gaming, in my opinion. And that's just cause I'm a platformer freak. So, uh, but loved it, loved it. Absolutely loved it. The the curve now I will the the strongest point of this game is its levels originality and and I'll get to that in a second but I personally loved the curve that growth curve in this game now by the time you get to that red gun the shotgun uh, well I, I shouldn't say that you're starting to have an increase in in complexity and difficulty that's it's going to take you a second to grasp and then the rocket launcher is yet at, like is double that and then the book of the word of life or whatever to the book of life a page from the book of life is the exponentialist highest whatever else and i love yeah. that curve it's a beautiful beautifully done the, even the early levels are the they throw you know little curves at you just the fact that you can run faster on water as soon as i felt my character speed up on water i was excited Mm -hmm. i could tell that this game was going to have some depth to it um in addition to the the cards having multi multiple uses obviously the the ability to switch i mean he literally i say he referring to ben created a game with four buttons really you can pull the trigger discard the card you can switch the card or you can i don't even know what the left stick does shoot shoot the card would be the other one. Oh, right. you said pull the trigger already so then it'd be jump jump would be the jump that's the other one yeah but you have natural jump and then uh, it, four buttons and spiraled into almost infinite complexity because by the time you get to the end of this game you're going to be hopping corners and dropping through like holes and ledges 
and you'll be free falling one second and then hitting hitting a drop and looking for the exit in the next. It is there's not a single level that repeats itself in this entire game. And you're talking about hundreds. No, probably not that many. Probably close to a hundred or just over levels in this game. And it's it, the originality of each of these levels is masterfully designed. I can easily see. Uh, developers looking at each other like, no, this level, we did that three levels ago, switch this up, put it in a drop here, put in a curve here, add some water here. And the design elements, they it works so flawlessly with how the backdrop of this game is, which is this like arcadey, vast, wide open playground. And then your little like, your little area that you're doing your run on. Um, and then yeah. <laughs> the verticality of this game is insanity. And each of these levels is original, well thought out, complex and they really make use of how complex um the weapon system is and it's not even really like and ben made this comment too he's like i don't want you to think of the guns as weapons i want you to think of them as playing cards that have multiple uses and that's exactly what i was thinking of them as by the end of the game um Mm -hmm. your you know your pistol when you discard it it makes you jump but when you shoot it you have to it'll take you know three shots or so to take out a, a a demon which is the whole um plot of the game and josh i'll let you tell the our audience a little bit more about the plot and what you thought of that um but the the pistol it gives you like a certain number of rounds you take out some demons and then the the long rifle takes them out in two hits and the shotgun takes them out in one so you got to conserve ammo and then you have to figure out how many cards you can only have up to three so it gives you limitations you can't just hoard cards all the time it's uh and it make you makes use of Having, there's some levels with a rocket launcher where you have to collect ammo because not only can you use it to zip line, uh, you can use it to blast yourself upwards, which is a brilliant mm-hmm. use of that mechanic. It doesn't matter whether you're just below an explosion or just above, it will always send you upward, which is like you just get used to this, this reliable physics in this game. Um, right, right. I will say the only downside to the platforming, literally the only downside, because other than that, it's original, flawless, and the precision is there, is that for some reason my brain kept telling me I was further back than I actually was. And I kept missing landing spots because for like it was as if my character's head was like pushed forward on their body just a little bit. And every time I looked down to see where my shadow was and my feet were, it was like harder to tell where I was going to land. I don't know if that makes sense, but it would be kind of no, like I know what you mean. the difference between the camera being in my eyes and my head and on a GoPro that's just a little bit forward and ahead of my head. I don't know if that makes sense, Josh. <laughs> but I No, I think it does, and I think it comes to actually the reticule itself because I had to adjust for that. You kind of go where the reticule goes, which, you know, and the game's first person. I don't know if he said that, but you're looking at this all from a first-person perspective, so it's like your face is flying through the sky, mm-hmm. and you're you're shooting with, with your face. And um, But because of that, like, when you're, when you're thinking of a first-person perspective, we naturally assume that there's a full body underneath there, right? Yes. And so we kind of try to adjust how our body ourselves might fall because we are creatures who of course look through our eyeballs and we see in that same perspective. So when it comes to the game itself, you, you almost pull back a little bit, which is where you feel like things are, you said they're a little bit further ahead from you. Yeah. I felt Um, like I had to pull back more than I was naturally intuiting because I was going to miss the right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just comes from the, first person perspective and our own perspectives kind of not gelling every single time. Cause I had the same, 
situation play out where I realize like, you know what, I'm just misjudging this. It needs to be a little bit further forward. Like I just need to realize that that's the case. And, um, there was like, I think it was actually one of the last episodes. If it wasn't the last level of heaven's edge, it was the one right before that. And there was just one little dude I kept missing because of that. I had to use a fireball at him. And then after that jump with the pistol and I just kept like, just misjudging exactly where it was and going yep. right next to him because he was right beneath me. He was right below me. So it wasn't in front of me, which seemed like it was a lot more intuitive. So I, I see what you mean by that. Yeah. I really, um, I really, really like this game. I, I think that the the precision of the movement and in in these is is flawless. Other than that one little thing, and that's probably just me needing to get used to it, really. Um, but that it, it's just a flawless platformer. Um, and um, aside, uh, you know, let's talk about some of its that story driven elements. The, um, Tell me what you thought of the overall plot, Josh, um, where that twist was. You keep talking about a twist that would come in right after you were about to put it down. Tell me what you thought of the plot and, and the story-driven elements. Um, let me hear your thoughts on that. You always get this sense that Neon White, the titular character, who your character is, you're, that's who you're playing throughout the game, is, you know... Um, unsure of what's going on just going with emotions at the start of the game and at some point things begin to change in his own understanding of stuff of course you have the convenient amnesia that of course i rolled my eyes at yeah me too here we go more amnesia (laughs) like perfect little simplistic way of you know making a blank slate character but once he starts to realize okay you know what these believers aren't necessarily like having my best interests at heart uh, green and I'm realizing like I have this whole background of these characters and and green specifically has his eye on me and I think the interplay between white and green started to come to fruition a little more for me and I started to enjoy those uh, character interactions and their dynamic specifically the rest of the characters are kind of throwaway uh, they are all there in support of you and that's a big thing like uh, in their former lives white was kind of the right-hand man to green and then yellow, red, and violet were all good friends of white. And the only reason they went along with anything green said was because they believed in white. So green would hold on to white and then white would then bring along the rest. And getting to that part of the game where you can see that a lot more, I thought made it the conversations themselves more interesting. Yes. Uh, but I think the, the twist of it comes to when you realize like the believers aren't who they say they are. Like there is no God. Yes. And, yes. Uh, at least God has left or has disappeared ever since the book of life and the book of, or the book of death was stolen and he's hidden the book of life. And, um, now you're going to go out on this mission to go and find that stuff. Like that's really where it starts to like, ramp up in its stakes for me and then of course green wants to get it for himself and destroy everything very nihilistic and white's just trying to stop him and isn't even sure like why god is showing him favor over other people i liked the end like once you get to all those different conflicts playing out i I had a, a much more fun time with the story itself and i thought it wrapped up okay like it ends how you'd expect and uh, you know, he, he defeats Green and, and gets the Book of Life taken care of and everything. And um, the Believer's Reign comes to an end. So good for that.
But otherwise, like, the, the first part of the story I didn't need to have as much of, in my personal opinion. It's a lot of banter back and forth with Yellow and Violet, and um, Red's kind of this mystery character at first, and then they come in a little bit later, and uh, there's just a little bit too much not said or done because there's a lot of mystery that they're just not going to answer yet and eventually they do get to and after one once they start to open up some of that other stuff i i liked it a lot more before that it felt like a very basic oh take on heaven and hell and people kind of right in between that working for the angels to get things done and I knew that there was something going on, right? You got the believers versus the angels. Like, obviously, there's something weird happening here, but nothing really, like, actually pushing me through from the story perspective until that turn in your own motivation kind of comes into play. Yeah. Now, I think I rolled my eyes as well when uh, White... So, uh, the reason the character the game is called Neon White is because each of these characters is called Neon something. So you got Neon Green is the enemy, Neon White is the protagonist, Neon Yellow is the dude bro buddy, uh, Neon Red is the love interest, Neon Purple is the crazy e-girl. Like these are these are your <laughs> characters. And I, I it reminded me there was an old um, book that I read written by an amateur author. It was called like. I don't even remember what it was. It was like Eight of Diamonds or something like that. And the whole I got premise of the book, which is a cheesy book, was which was um, that you your rank was determined. It was in accordance with playing cards. So like the king of the hearts was the king of like this organization or whatever of this division of like the spec the spec ops or something like that. And it reminded me of that. It's like you need some kind of recognizable format to determine rank and style and background or whatever else. It was enjoyable. Each of them was style. It, it, I just felt like the whole the color scheme wasn't necessarily necessary, um, but it was there. It's fun. It's it's kind of campy, but it's fine. Um, but Neon White's amnesia was definitely an eye roll moment. From a plot perspective, it would have made more sense that had he been resting in the sea of glass for too long because of the believer's corruption, that his memories of his real life would fade. And so he had been there so long that, you know, even then that makes more sense because everyone treating him like he had amnesia and that was weird, it makes it seem like they're kind of poking fun at their own inability to come up with a better reason for that from a plot perspective. Not that I'm some experienced author and I know better. I just off the top of my head thought, well, why was he in the sea of glass for so long? And then it's like, well, the believers decide not to choose up uh, neons who are, uh, who have been in the sea for so long because they become unstable or whatever else. And then God's providence pulling him towards the surface so that he could have a clean slate and then work towards his goal without the uh, weighing down of his memories would have made sense to me because he was God's yeah, chosen. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it's like kind yeah. of when you, yeah. So I roll for sure. And some of the dialogue, you're totally right. That banter towards the beginning is really silly and it's, it's really super. It's just over long. Yeah. I think that was my problem. Like I'm like skip, 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 skip. Yep. Like why is there 45 of these that I need to skip through to get to the next level? <laughs> like, yeah. And it's not aiding. Like and, and that was for a lot of the supplemental stuff. Uh, the characters themselves are pretty one dimensional, so they had yep. a hard time filling them out. And I kind of felt like kind of Fire Emblem in that way. You know how in Three Houses yep. you have conversations and you sit down and you you take time to do tea time or whatever with with individuals i never felt like you got stuff out yeah. of that sometimes yeah. you did sometimes you did like especially from people in your own house yeah um in fire emblem specifically but in this game it never really got past a shallow surface level 
relationship. This is not Hades. Like this is not correct. Uh, That's a good comparison. This is not a yeah. game that that is written to the level where you're just like frothing at the bit as to what's going to happen next with these guys and and how their relationships are going to play out. Yes. That's just not here, unfortunately. Yeah. But the premise itself is cool, and I think we've talked about that having the uh, intrigue of what's going on, like the actual, like you said, plot of how it plays out is actually pretty pretty nice. It's it's good for what it is, yes. and that's something that um, Ben, what's his last name, Esposito, ben, uh, Esposito was good at with Donut County too. Uh, kind of the overarching plot playing a lot better than the individual characters you have you played donut county no i haven't very simple small game on your iphone do not get it on consoles it's so much better on your iphone it's just a touch a little base game but uh you're you're this raccoon who's making a hole and um he's just sucking the town into the hole so over the course of the game all these characters fall in with him or he fell in himself uh, at the end so like throughout the game you're kind of playing through their memories and how they all fell and um each of the little guys that fall in are all so shallow and basic in one note but the one character um connection that's important actually ends up playing out fairly well which kind of seems like it's happening here it's so crazy to me that i didn't know that this was ben esposito because that totally makes perfect sense uh in in why this game is as precise as it is he was one of the guys like i remember hearing interviews with him when donut county first came out he he's one of those guys that got hired to his first job because he was coming up with crazy solutions to ideas that nobody else mm, had come mm-hmm. up with. Like he was just using physics in insane, ridiculous ways. And yeah. um, he described getting a job. Like and he had said, like, oh, like they they asked him like what his experience was with with programming, and he was like, well, I've done this. And they showed he showed him like this crazy little program and all these weird things he was doing to a cube, and they were like you're hired. <laughs> yeah. Like we real. don't know what we're yeah, going to have undeniable. you do for us yet, yeah. but like, you're just, you're coming up with crazy stuff and, and his, his bread and butter is definitely in an indie scene. And uh, I can, I can now very much see his influence in even how the characters and the writing plays out. Uh, but I liked it. I thought that the story went fairly well. I think it was just at the beginning, especially I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. And so it wasn't hooking me at all. And so that yeah. was why I, I got yep. dangerously close to putting it down. The, 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 the talking and everything in the, the dialogue and the building relationships actually feels very tropey like animes do like slice of life animes with their trope characters. Like this is the athlete. This is that, you know? So that's a little yeah. overdone because if you watch a lot of anime, you'll see it immediately. But the but the dialogue actually it like curves almost exactly to the scale of the the complexity of the runs. Like it gets just better with time. You got to give it some time. You got to let it get more more deep. And they do stick the landing. Like the ending is very satisfying. I don't know if you chose to spare Green or to uh, release him to peace. I didn't have the option to do anything other than kill him. Really? It said I said I hadn't done enough of the relationship stuff. <gasps> yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm awesome. I didn't, I didn't, I'm awesome. I don't, know, you are, I don't even know what it wanted me to do there. Was that like with the tickets? I have no idea. I don't know. I so there's a couple things that didn't quite make sense. The heavenly delight tickets were while they were funny. By the time you did the last one, it was just an overdone joke. Personally, like I I did plenty. I did all of it. I did actually. I've unlocked everything in the game. So how I played the game was I would run through, figure out the nooks and crannies, and I would either bronze it or silver it right on my first run through, and then I'd play it through a second time until I had a gold or an ace. 
Um, if I really, really tried, aces were easier to do, but sometimes I didn't want to work that hard. Sometimes an ace was like six or seven seconds shorter than a gold, and I was like, I'm missing a key mm -hmm. shortcut here, so I don't feel mm -hmm. like playing it that far. But I aced and golded every single level. And if you do that, and you do all of the character unlocks, you get bonus runs at the end. So like yellow, obviously, if you do all of his gifts and stuff, he has side quests that only use ammo, so no discarding. And then if you do violet, um, which is something I really liked, all the side quests. If you do violets, it's um, you cannot touch the ground. Essentially, there's spikes everywhere, so you have to you have to. It's all flying through the air, really, um, and timing and unlocking certain things. You have to. It, it's really difficult. Violets were actually the hardest levels. And then for red, there's like no floor. You're flying through the air and you can only discard. There's not really any demons. You just have to maneuver yourself through the air using explosive barrels or whatever else. And reds were fun. They were like mid-tier difficulty. But the side quests were only... Um, well, to be frank with you, the reason I did the gifts is because I just had a routine. I First run through, finish it. Second run through, either gold or, or, or platinum it or ace it. And then third run through, find the gift. And that's how I did every level, and I didn't move to the next one until I did that. So I had unlocked all the storylines by the time I finished the game, so it gave me two options to either spare green, which I did, and um, you, he essentially, because God's version of heaven was just eternal sleep and peace. Like, that was how God was doing heaven until the believers came along and said, that's no fun to us. We want ice cream, essentially. Uh, and so they overthrew God and declared war on him. And that whole plot line where you bring God back into heaven is actually really a cool idea. I really enjoyed that. Um, but that's how I played the game. And this satisfying little loop of I would have 10 gifts. So I had a bunch of dialogue when I got back to the hub before I did my next mission. So I had Mikey's all the way finished. I had yellows all the way finished, per, uh, violets all the way finished, and reds. And then all the gifts from Raz, who is a funky little side character as well. And then when you finish the game, you have all of their side quests unlocked. And Mikey's was the only one I didn't have unlocked because I didn't um, platinum everything. You have to platinum everything to get Mikey's. But, um, but yeah, so I had finished all of that and got the full dialogue experience. And it was worth it. Towards the end, it really, really gets good um, as far as wrapping everything up. It's not the best writing I've ever seen. But it was really enjoyable, and I, I liked it. But it scales just as much as the complexity of the traversal scales um, exponentially. Towards the very end is when it gets really, really good. Up until that point, mm, meh, take it or leave it. But, but yeah, I really love the style of this game. Um, oh, the, yeah. the, the saturation of the colors, different levels were at sunset. Some were in cityscapes, some were in hanging gardens. Some of them were, um, it, across water, like glass, like water. Some of them were, I mean, some of those early levels are breathtaking and some of the late levels are terrifying in, in certain ways. <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, especially towards the end, the complexity of them gets, really bananas. It's really cool oh, yeah. to see. Uh, I loved everything about the design of this game. It was very manga, anime-esque, and I really enjoyed that. Now, the times they did have 3D animation, it, it takes you all the way back to this idea that this is like an arcade game in terms of its inspiration. And Ben, when he recruited Machine, Gr uh, Machine Girl, the band, he actually gave them a bunch of old PlayStation tracks. One, uh, he said he had taken inspiration from Ape Escape, which is my favorite PlayStation game uh, of all time, basically. And, you know, I love the music from that game and the music and everything. Style-wise, style this game is also flawless. I mean, really, 
I mean, it's just great all around. I don't know. Did this feel nostalgic for you? Did this feel like kind of a PlayStation Two game to you, Josh? At all? What did? did how? What did you think? I think that the. I, I'd say the vibes of it definitely felt a little more retro. Yeah. In yeah. in that the scope of it's definitely limited. It's definitely limited, right? They're not they're not pouring in all kinds of crazy stuff into, you know, giving you an open world with all the crazy detail on the trees and the rocks. Like it's just, you've got these open hanging parts of heaven with some basic structures that are obviously there specifically for the level and how the level plays out. So that is, I guess you could point to older games. It definitely, like it has that to it and the music behind it too. I'm not the biggest fan of the music. Me I either. necessarily need to, you know, listen to every soundtrack and whatnot. But it was great. It gives its own particular flair and, like you said, style to it. Um, and then the actual design of the levels, there is a lot of variety in the locales. By the end, when you're getting to some of the crazier, like, uh, just with all the insane levels of height, and you're flying further and further up the sides of these buildings, like, totally, totally breathtaking. And mm. like you said, also nerve-wracking because one mistake and you're going to fall. Although, you fall so slow that it's kind of like a, like it, it's not like a terrifying fall, like you fell off of a roller coaster. It's kind yeah. of more like a, a slow float. Yes. uh, And (laughs) there were times where I'd be like, oh, like I fell and I'd be like irritated. So I just kind of let him fall for, you know, another 10 seconds. But you're finally like, okay. The use of (laughs) the physics in this game, like your jump is a halo jump. Like you jump and you float a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and there are some times that I fell from a really huge ledge on, especially some of those later levels once you get the rocket launcher. And I just fell, and I actually had time. I was like, well, while I have some time while I'm falling, let me look around and see if I can find the gift. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And there was a number of yeah, times you, I found the gift that way. By the end of it, that's what that game, yeah. And there's, like, there like there are some, I actually tried a few times, because you get to some crazy, crazy heights, and Dude, uh, there's a yeah. lot of buildings around you. There's a few buildings, like, you just, you'll clip right through. Um, if you try to land on their platforms because they're just like way far down, like you're obviously way past the level at that point. I was surprised right. it didn't just kill me. Right. But um, yeah, so the design of it's awesome. I think the last couple of levels have you like, uh, uh, and I'm thinking specifically the boss fight with green, um, have you like flying through different locales? Like it changes every yep. time that you yep. hit the hand and like jump into the next one. I want like once that started happening, I was like, oh, I wanted that more early. Yes. Like that's one of the other things that like I wish they had kind of sprinkled that in a little bit more. Like just you hit something that boom, and now you're in another part of heaven or whatever, and it like looks totally different. And you continue on at the level. Um, so something else, you know, that might have aided in the variety of the game, but that's not that's not necessarily what it's going for. Uh, so design-wise, beautiful. I think the obviously the 3D models are pretty bad. <laughs> Whenever like he finishes out a whole mission, he like does a flip. I'm always like, okay, yeah, yeah let's move on to the 2D art. <laughs> Not a big deal seeing this stuff. Oh, and I liked uh, levels where like Red is running in front of you. Yes, and you see her. Like there's one where you're chasing her, trying to stop her from sacrificing herself. That and, was a great level. Um, 
Yes, absolutely. I wanted more of that. Yes, like me I'm too. like put some other characters like then they did it a couple times, but like do it a little bit more. Like just add like add these things in over and over and you have me from the get go mm-hmm. as opposed to cramming it all in at the very end. It's like all the good stuff's at the end. It's like why couldn't you, you know, share the love a little bit here? Yep. Uh so but it's it's fantastic in its design, especially by the end there. Uh when you're first playing through it, I could see people kind of looking at this and, you know, raising one eyebrow and wondering like, what's the point? Because it is you know, you're like, oh, those are the demons. It looks like a balloon. Like that's a demon and I'm yeah. killing it. Yeah. Um, with a card, like what's going on here. Yeah. So like, it's, it's weird. Right. And you have to kind of get used to that. Um, but as you do and the color scheme with the characters is a little bit, uh, shallow, but yeah, with right. the items, it works perfectly. Like, I didn't even associate the actual weaponry with the names of them. Yes. It was all because of the color. Yes. I have the red card, and then I know that the blue card is going to be coming up yep. next. So my red card I'll probably need to use at an angle, and then my blue card's going to shoot me straight forward. Yep. So got to make sure that I'm at the right angle before I use that. You know, so like yep. uh, you you start to pick up on this stuff and it starts to become second nature to you very quickly. And you're flipping through cards and stuff. Like I was just watching a video of one of the runs I did and I'm like, you start to move so fast. Uh, you describe this game as like what it feels like to be a speed runner. Yes. Um, in a whatever community of game that people speed run in, right? Primary yeah. platformers. But this game gives you the feel of that without, the actual level of skill. <laughs> well, but without, that's just because right, it's so perfectly that, designed in that way. Without that obsessive time commitment that comes from finding glitches in Breath of the Wild, you know sure. what I mean? And Ben, even mm-hmm. to, I said that to you, and then I went and looked it up today. Ben actually takes a lot of inspiration from speedrunning to create this game. Like that's what. Oh, some I of can his, see it. Yes, yeah. and one of the th- you're totally right about the colors of the cards there because I didn't actually. I was looking forward ahead, and out of the corner of my eye, I could see what color card I had, so I knew what I had at my disposal and that mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. just it's it sped up the game now the only thing that i would change about now that i'm thinking about it the, about the precision of this game is to have instead of the uh what's the word i'm looking for you know how the green card dropped you through down really quick yeah the only thing that i would change is to if you double click the jump button is to drop fast now the only time that really came up uh, and not all the way, like you don't want to send yourself through the floor like the green card does, but I do mean like just a quick, small, like it drops you down to the ground just a little bit quicker. Um, that would speed up the game just a little bit and make it faster. Um, the only reason I say that is because while I was chasing Red, there's a part where you're jumping on glass platforms and she's shooting them out from underneath you. You're kind mm-hmm. of like slow yeah, falling, yeah. and it slows down that level just a little bit to a drag, and you you have to... You have to like jump, fake her out, and then move to the next platform, which you can do because you're floating in the air. But if you were able to quick fall, like as short distances, you know, not big ones, that might speed things up just a tad bit. Again, probably not necessary. It's just a little like thing I ha- a thought I had. But but yeah, so. I see what you mean though. Like you do kind of get stuck floating a little bit longer sometimes than you want because you're like, okay, let's go, let's go. Like I need to land and yeah, and move on. So yeah, like a Tetris piece, just kind of like boom. Yeah, exactly. Be a good addition. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and it's 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 gets to the point too where like you have to hit every single thing exactly or you will fall. Yes. Um, by the end of the game, like uh, there's there's one in particular I remember I had to like you're you're using the book of life the book of life levels, dude. Oh my goodness, absolutely bonkers, man. 
perfection. Like that's yes. that's where this Seriously. game reaches. Like okay, this is S tier stuff. Like most of the rest of the game is is B to A level. I'd say um, maybe even C level for some of the basic stuff at the start. Which you know you're getting into the game, so I can't fault you there. But uh, once you get to the S tier level design stuff with the Book of Life, like you're you're grabbing onto dudes. And how the Book of Life works is you use the discard ability. You never lose the actual page itself. Yes. So it's a card that's always in your inventory once you get it. Um, so that's different from all the other cards. Once you discard a card, you no longer have that. So you got to keep that in mind as you're going through and the game gives you, you know, it's all mapped out for you. So there's obviously a direction they want you to go and they're funneling you and they're wanting you to get that next card to do the next action. Um, so in that way, you could make an argument that there's not a whole lot of player agency here. But with the Book of Life, that now changes because it's not going to get rid of the card for you. Now this is just something you have at your disposal and you begin to uh, chain it with other uh, cards and you're flying through the air and uh, the Book of Life, you grab onto people and you like pull yourself towards them and then kill them, um, which... A lot of the cards are kind of like that, so it's it's kind of a mesh of like the Dominion, uh, which is a um, a r- repel line, a, a grapple line, not repel, but uh, a grapple line, and um, I think Fireball's kind of like that too, where you kind of just shoot at something, but you're gonna bounce off it right if you use the Book of Life, and you're you're grabbing people, throwing yourself at them, and then they give you some card that now you see a red wall on the left hand side. Maybe they give you a blue card, and now you have to shoot through that red wall. You have no idea what's on the other side, yes, but you know that you have your Book of Life page that you can then grab that next thing. And I remember one level where I was like flying through, and I you get to such a cadence by the end, and you you get to the level of flow that the game wants you to get to, which is like that speedrunner flow of okay cards. I know what they all do. I'm utilizing them in these split second moments to get to the next thing. And um, I grabbed, you know, I grabbed the dude with the Book of Life. He gave me one particular card. I used that. Grabbed another dude, totally different card. I used that because I knew how it worked. And then I went and I grabbed onto another dude and he gave me the Dominion card, shot me forward. And my first thought was to use my discard like I had been using with all the other cards that I'd used at that point. But no, now in that precise moment, I just got the card. I'm looking around. I've never been in this part of the level before. And I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. And I just miss the fact that actually, no, they have these particular walls that kind of look like planks and they want you to shoot that to boost yourself up, like use the explosion to boost yourself up. Don't use the grapple because then you'll lose the card. And I know first time I did it, I shot the grapple, (laughs) you know, and messed up. And I'm like, ah, and then I ended up having to restart the whole thing going all the way to the back. And then when I got to that point again, because the game had taught me so well, I immediately grabbed it. Instead of hitting R1 again, like my instinct was, I shot myself up one, two. And then I noticed right above me, okay, there is a latch point. Now's the time to use the grapple. And I grab that, pull myself up, and finish the level. But like all of that happening so fast, like so quickly, one thing after the other, and you're making all these crazy quick decisions, and it all feels so nice and so good. And you're just like soaring through the air, uh, killing demons, and having a great old time with this game. It's 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 definitely a platformer uh wet dream. Like that's like this yes. is this is yes. what people want from their platformers, and it delivers in spades. And the last thing that I'll say, Josh, my arguably my favorite thing about this game is how it makes me feel. And to be frank, just to be blunt, it makes me feel like a god when you finally get that sure, cadence, yes. when you get that flow state, when you get that like 
and you're flying through these levels. And sometimes you're finding shortcuts that the game doesn't even recommend because it'll get to the point where as you unlock like the gold, then it'll give you a shortcut for the S tier for the ace, right? And then you could, but if you're quick, if you're quick on the uptake and you're learning how these cards work and you know them intimately, you can use them in ways that the game will reward you because there's multiple ways to beat a level and sometimes the shortcut that they recommend is the best way to do it. Sometimes it's the only way to get the the ace there. And then other times it's your own imagination. And when you S tier, mm-hmm. when you ace a level and you didn't even need any help, you feel like, you know, like the game is like proud father, you know, had had trained you yeah, up to this point. And it makes you feel awesome. And it's it's some of the most exhilarating feelings in the world to see, you know, and I don't know if I, I didn't connect to the internet. It wouldn't let me, I don't know why maybe I need to pay for some subscription or something. I, my Nintendo switch doesn't have the service right now, I guess. But, um, I, so I never compared myself to the world leaderboards, but I can, I, I talked to a couple of people online and they were like, there's nothing more exhilarating than making that top global 1000. Or even as I talked to someone, oh, but man. top, top global 100 in his case until he got knocked off a little later but but he was like there was like no better feeling it was amazing so this game to be perfectly frank i don't have the frame of reference to compare it to other platformers but if what i'm hearing is that you're saying this is one of the best platformers you've ever played then this needs to be in the hall of games personally like i i I love just about everything about this game it is a tier uh, level quality content and it's an indie game no less that plays so smooth it's you can't even re- it's it's great it's all of your inner gamer come out spilling out with lots of love and lots of energy and it's it's fantastic do you think that the cheesy dialogue holds it back at all it does hold it back but i've seen worse like you just go to your casual like any like the dialogue here is shallow you know at, you know cringy at worst and cringy in some parts especially violet like her whole character was kind of just like uh, and, and yeah yellow it, it, and it sometimes doesn't make a whole lot of sense what she's doing either yeah and it, it definitely was like mid-tier level anime dialogue like that really yeah. kind of corny low-budget slice of life anime um where all the tropey characters and lines and cliches like you know well it is what it is or 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 what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stuff like that. You know, like you don't need to hear that <laughs> stuff. It doesn't have any depth to it. But I still don't think that's a good enough reason not to ascribe greatness to an indie title. If this was a AAA game, I'd be disappointed in several facets because you have the budget. You, you shouldn't have made that mistake. You have this. You have the world's best designers here. You have the – but a small team, you know, uh, under the leadership of one generalized person who is known for being a creative whiz – I really feel like this is an excellent game and it needs to be in our hall of games personally, but I'm willing to listen to reason. I'm just the casual Josh. I, I don't know if you agree. <laughs> I, I think the platforming goodness you're going to get from this is, uh, without peer in that it is very, very, very unique. Like the, the, uh, just card system and how the weaponry all plays out and how you navigate this 3D space. I don't I think if I have a specific comparison to that. Obviously, it's a platformer, so the idea of the precision is going to be in other games, but as far as like this particular one, I don't know if this has any peers really that you can ascribe to it other than maybe 
oh, what's the name of that game? It's like Blue Fire is kind of like that. And I know that there are some other 3D platformers that are kind of fast and, and slippery and you can kind of jump around at a exceedingly quicker pace, but nothing that a 2D, like most 2D platformer games are going to give you uh, what Neon White's giving you in the, the preciseness of it all. Um, 3D platformers have a harder time with that. So for Neon White to, to hit that on the head over and over and over and to do it in a way that, okay, you did the action right, but also it makes you feel great about it yes. is not to be understated. I think how games make you feel uh, is important, and, and some games do it so much better than others. I think of um, even Portal. I mean, just a perfect example, and we're going to talk Dude, about Portal yes. uh, in our next episode. Portal makes you feel like a genius. Yes, <laughs> like, yes, it does. There yeah. are so many times you solve a puzzle, and you're like, Heck yeah. Like, I did not see how I was going to solve that at first, but then just one little thing clicked, and now it all came together, and you're like, I'm the freaking smartest person in the world when you have that happen. So Neon White does that for you with the terms of, like, yeah, like you, you feel like this superhero flying through the sky with no, like, hesitation as to accomplishing the task that you're doing and um, no hesitation in hitting that next demon and, and hitting your next point of contact and... It it definitely rewards you in that way. So speci- specifically for the mechanics, I would say, yes, this is a great, fantastic game. The trappings around it do leave much to be desired. You've got the premise of the plot plays out fine. Um, you've got the actual design of the characters themselves. The masks I could leave without. They obviously play a narrative role, so that's fine. Um the dialogue itself, not written the greatest. There's a little bit too much of that. I didn't care for that. Uh, a lot of the hub doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of a purpose to it unless you really explore it and push around the edges of it, in which case that's fine. What did you think of the little cat angels? So I I actually was I was going to make this comment about the style. Um, it, so there's a couple games that will really let you push the envelope when it comes to skins, right? Like you think Apex, Fortnite, you can slap a skin on your character and it even change your abilities a little bit. And I know this is more of a small budget studio, but there were, so if you do Mikey's quest line and you keep giving him gifts, right? And he's a cigar smoking cat. So I, it's, but he's also got a mafia personality. It's kind of funky. But anyway, they threw anything at the wall with this game yeah. and saw what <laughs> sticked, uh, stuck. But um, so if you give him gifts, he will give you a drawing of what the other characters think he looks like. And so, like, um, Neon Yellow thinks he looks like a pro wrestler, uh, but he's still got a cigar. Neon Red draws him as a cat, but slightly different. Uh, Neon Violet draws him as something else. And then Green, someone draws him as, like, the biblical definition of an angel with, like, an eye with eyes around it and stuff. And I was like, that's very interesting. So they definitely did that. Well, he becomes that at the end, too. Uh, I guess he does. I don't last. Yeah, one of the last cutscenes he shows up. It's like right after I think you finished the game or right before the last level. And he shows up and he's like an eye creature thing. And yeah. he's uh, Neon White's like, whoa. And he's like, this is my actual form. Yeah, <laughs> Which I thought go, yeah. was He's like, you were just seeing me as a cat, yeah. Yeah, so the cats were kind of funky. I mean, it was, it. it's, again, it's one of those like, as far as style is concerned, like he had an aesthetic that he was going for, which is this anime light, you know, old-fashioned game design, whatever else, and 2D drawings as the characters and stuff, other than some of the, like, obviously, Green as a boss is a 3D character, but um, I didn't, I enjoyed it. I didn't have any problems with that um, as the 
as far as like the style goes, but it would have been cool if you had a skin change for the game, which I know this is more of a higher budget thing, but like if you could see the game through yellow's eyes, um, or if you could see the game through red's eyes and stuff, there's a tiny hint of that, but obviously just a, a personal preference of mine. But no, I thought it was fine. It was a little cheesy, a little kid, kitty a little bit. Yeah, I guess my point with bringing up the cats is that like you've got these other characters that are there and are present, but not anything. It's just nothing like you're going to get from a lot of other games as far as the character development and what happens there. Um, and so there's there's a lot on the outskirts of this game that leave something to be desired. But what this game is in its heart and its in its core is is beautiful in its own right is so much fun to play through and definitely rewarding the later you get on this is one game honestly i think if i had known how it would progress i would have taken it a little bit more slowly um which because it goes a little too slowly at the start i almost was in danger of putting this game down which i'm glad i didn't but i if I knew that it was going to be at the level that it was at the end, this would have been the perfect game for me to play in snippets over the next couple of months. Mm. That's just like, I like games like that where I just, I hit several levels here and there. Um, instead I had to cram for this podcast. That's fine. <laughs> I didn't do any of that side quest stuff though. So there is more content for me. I've already deleted the game off of my console, but if I ever get the urge to go back and play it, there's, there's more there for me to do. So like I cannot complain about that uh, want of content or anything like that. Yeah. And then of course, getting better and better at each specific level is, is awesome. And uh, there's something about just that particular feeling, very much an arcade feeling, you know, of yeah. of being back in the 1980s and setting that high score at your local arcade and looking around at your friends like, "What now, buddy? Like, what are you gonna do?" Yeah. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I <laughs> nailed that. <laughs> like, knocked out of the park. Uh, brings back memories of playing actually Mario Kart on the Game Boy Advance. My brother and I would go back and forth setting ghost trial runs, and one of us would find some crazy new shortcut and like totally destroy the other person's time. And then the the next person obviously would then be, try to learn and beat that, and it's just a back and forth there. So you get that here, um, even within your local friends list. I would always see Jared's name pop up, and usually it was above me in time. And so I'd think like, ah, okay, I can I can do a little bit better if Jared did a little bit better. So uh, has that as well. Because of all that, is it in the Hall of Games? That's the question we have to answer here. Jared says yes, and I'm gonna say yes too. I think that this game is bringing something to the platforming scene that we haven't seen in a few years. Uh, scene, scene. Uh, I think the last real good platformer, at least that I've played, was Celeste, mm. which was 2018. Mm. So it's been some time that I've found one that really scratched the itch of precision and uh, combination of, of story and enjoyability for me that Neon White has. So I say yes to this. I say uh, it, it should be in the Hall of Games. Uh, a wonderful indie title. This is a game, if it had been released, and I say this a lot about a lot of games, but if it had been released 20, 30 years ago, we'd probably be on you know Neon White Evangelion, the massive open world 3D RPG that <laughs> uh, was inspired by the original game you know and still has some amazing you know amazing platforming stuff like all those elements that made into this massive franchise uh instead it's in 2020 or 2022 and it probably will not ever have a sequel i would assume i don't know how much this is selling like i said i hadn't even seen the hype for this so i just don't know but if we have a chance here to 
to pay respects to this game, I say we take it, and I say that we put it in the Hall of Games because it's worthy of that. Ben, um, I was speaking to Ben Esposito. I love your game. Uh, we love your game. Thought it was fantastic. I want you to make a sequel so good that I take Neon White 1 out of the Hall of Games and put Neon White 2 <laughs> in, um, and and we, we reap it out so we can replace it with something even better than its current self. The mechanics are flawless, um, but the you know obviously we think the writing could be tightened up, but... Folks, go play Neon White. It's a fantastic game. I'm so glad I was able to convince Josh <laughs> to put it in the Hall of Games and to twist the arm a little bit. Uh, I feel like, but but I also like. Well, you've led me along the way here. Like you, you introduced have. it to I me. Have. You encouraged me to continue playing it. So yeah. Hats off to you, Jared. You gave me a great experience. Good. Good. It brings me no greater joy than to have people enjoy the things that I recommend. So awesome. All right, Josh. Great. 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 Great choice. Yes, I agree. Thank you for taking the time to listen this week. Uh, Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. Drop us a five-star review. Check out our past episodes for more backlog, in-depth conversations. Again, thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you agree with our decision. And if you don't, tell us why. Until then, this is the Video Game Bard signing off. Thanks for listening, guys. We will have another episode recorded here for you guys as well. Coming up real quick. Coming into the dry season of the Hall of Games, and hopefully we can make it through together the long, dry season of the fall. Uh, We will do our best to rectify that and to give you some sustenance along the way. Uh, But thanks for listening, guys. You have a good one.